Uh, I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful to be able to create all these different things and to make pieces of art. And I also like the subtlety of, of, a, of a very plain hat. And as it ages and gets worn in, it tells your true story, your own story. Just with the marks when you touch when you touch it over and over again or, you know, maybe it flies off your head while you're on the back of a motorbike, gets run over by a car or a train or <laughs> yeah. wherever you take it on your adventures, you know. You might pick yeah. up a feather on the top of a mountain and pop it in the side or something like that. Today I'm talking to Jack Savage, a hat maker in Australia. <laughs> How lovely to meet you. Lovely to meet you, Jack. Well, lovely to meet you and, uh, down in Australia. Yes. Amazing. And, you, and you're in Austria right now, is that correct? That's right, in Vienna. Wow. How amazing that we can we can connect this way now, isn't it? it it's incredible. Although yeah. I do miss the face-to-face, in-person meeting sometimes. Absolutely. And your your whole um scene there it's so perfect it's absolutely like i see on your on your instagram as well this um these hats and this whole image that you have it's amazing thank you yeah yeah i'm, yeah, I'm I... in my little workshop here at the moment oh really yeah you're the first Hiding hat maker in... i've i've spoken to and um and it's something that i thought about when i saw you uh, when you appeared on my on my news feed that it's really a, an art and it's it's really something that i think because uh, it must be a, a a very unique art nowadays because we don't wear hats as much as as we used to yeah i think that's changing i hope that's changing trying to do my best to help to change that. Um, but definitely it's found a renaissance in the last few years. Um, when I started out, it seemed that there was only a handful of hat makers. And uh, in the last few years, now there's uh, hundreds. Really? So, yes, like you, I've started a podcast to try and bring that community together. And uh, we have over 600 hat makers that are Amazing. part of uh, that now, yeah. So is is it? Uh, I mean, Australia is this, and and I mean, I'm from South Africa, and I know in South Africa it's almost like if you if you're on a farm or if you're outside or if you have a life, you know, or work outside, that's more uh, people who tend to wear hats, but it's it's functional. But you have almost created this style. It's a style of wearing hats now. It's not just the functionality of it. Yeah, I think like we like a hat to tell a story. And I think if you look back at some of the older hats that have been around or that have been worn for years or maybe that were passed down from from person to person, there's a lot of hats that stay in families. I think uh, the character of a hat is something that we're trying to achieve. And, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of become in fashion somewhat in the last few years, maybe the last 10 years. And people want something with a little bit of character maybe to uh, – to enhance their own or just because they like the look. Yeah. But what what uh, made you interested in hat making? Mm, well, before I started hat making, I didn't even know how hats were made. Really? Um, yeah. I found a picture of a person who was wearing a custom hat and it said handmade hat. And I was like, wow, I didn't 
even know how they were made. And so then I piqued my curiosity and then I had to find out everything about it. And then once I did, which wasn't too much information in the beginning, but as I found out more, I felt like, oh, this is something that I could do. This is something that I want to do. And so uh, I started on the journey. But was uh, did you do anything before? I mean, is it uh, was this something that you did from a young age? Um, no, not at all. I've been making hats for about six years now. Mm. Um, before that, I lived a very uh, wild life. I traveled around really? the world for about 10 years and uh, had a bunch of different jobs. And then hat making and I found each other. Amazing. Well, your your label is called Creatures of the Wild Unknown. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Tell me about this name. So the name, I guess it's, uh, what is the unknown? I think everything that you want lies beyond the unknown. And often the unknown is quite scary. It's a bit of fear. So if we can learn to step beyond the fear, then I think uh, we can have whatever we want. Mm. And that's something that I'd like to uh, put through in my hats. And are you a bit of a creature of the wild? I think so. I'm trying to uh, soften those those edges okay. somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> but is, so where exactly in Australia are you based? I am based on the east coast of Australia in a little town called Southwest Rocks. And it's right on the coast. It's a pretty little town, halfway between Brisbane and Sydney. So just far away enough from everybody, yeah. um, but also accessible enough if if needed. So did you grow up there in that area? Uh, I grew up about two hours south and <clears throat> I left Australia for about 10 years. And when I got back, um, I spent a lot of time up in the Whitsunday Islands. Where I met my partner and then uh, we were there until well, she had a an organic cafe and I had a little sailing boat. And then 2017, there was a cyclone, which kind of decimated the town and we decided it was time to move. So we went down to Byron Bay and then that's where we started our businesses. I started hats and she started jewelry making. And then after a little while, yeah, after a little while, Seemed a little bit too uh, busy for us, so we tried to find a, the next pretty quiet place. Oh, okay. And so here, here, we, here we are. <laughs> but um, you have to now explain to me. It's it's always interesting to know. So you you found uh, this this um, or you 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 were inspired by making hats, but there must mm -hmm. be a process and. And, you know, like everything, it takes time. It's not this instant thing. Sometimes we hear the story, oh, so, you know, you're interested in hat making and then now you've got a hat business. But where did this start? Where, how, begin, uh, it started at the beginning. How did the first hat um, uh, exist then? How did the first hat come about? Well, it yeah. kind of did happen overnight, although it seemed to take quite a while. Um so once I had the idea that that's what I wanted to find out about, it took me about three or four months of searching vigorously, trying to find information. And back then there was very little information. So uh, I came across an old cowboy hat making book. And um, I was diving through this book, trying to figure out what these things were, what's a felt, what's a hat body, what's a hat block. What are these tools? How do they how do they make them? 
And um, I had to do a lot of research to try and find suppliers. Back then, it, there wasn't as many um, as there are now. I found a phone number for a company in the States, and I had to wait till about 12 o'clock at night here so I could call them in first thing their morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And then I was lucky that they sent me a whole box of samples and uh, so I could get started. And I found a hat block and I made some of my own tools and then the process began. Amazing. And, yeah, and because we must also take into consideration Australia, like you say, if you want something from America or the rest of the world, you have to wait probably also for the deliveries and and that sort of thing. So does that make it a bit more complicated? That's right. Yeah, it does get a little complicated. And also the Australian dollar fluctuates wildly compared to the American dollar. So sometimes it's it's closer to being even and then sometimes it's uh, quite drastically apart, which kind of in the beginning uh, made it difficult to price uh, my hats. But now I found a little comfortable spot where everything works out okay. But yeah, like everything, especially over COVID, um, supply chains kind of started to get a little tighter. Weights became longer for all these things, but it's starting to find a balance again. So after all this, because you said you found a, a book about cowboy hats, but now mm-hmm. have you found now your style? So you've developed something that you would say, this is this is my style. This is my style of hat making. Mm, that's a good question. I feel like I'm in a little bit of a transitional period at the moment. I feel the last five years of my hat making has kind of been my apprenticeship and it's something that I've had to teach myself. I've had a little bit of knowledge from this book, but a lot of the things that you need to know aren't in there. So it's a lot of trial and error. And over that time, I've started to refine my techniques and refine, I guess, the reasons why I'm making a hat or what I see in a hat that is important. And before I felt like it was a lot to do with the look or the feel of a hat kind of the character that's in a hat. And as I dive deeper into my craft, it's really about the quality of a hat. And so my style, I guess, which I've put out into the world is a combination of mine plus my customers. I do a lot of custom orders. And so I have a lot of customers who put their input into things. And as you post more of those things on social media, more people want those types of things. So it's kind of created a style that may not be 100% my own. And I want to get back more to basics and to get to really create classic style hats with bold lines, um, classic styles that are more timeless rather than maybe more fashionable. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So when you work with customers, so they they come can you read your customers already to see uh, what type of hat they would want how much is there in your input and their input because you're the one mm-hmm. knowing you're the one with the knowledge yeah i think um most people come with a basic idea of what they want and i think a lot of people have seen the work that i've done in the past so they have an idea that it's going to be something like that And then they might add personal pieces or personal touches. They might like a a brim that's a little wider, a crown a little taller. 
um, maybe a certain kind of leather or a certain kind of band around the hat. And then there's other little things that you can add, like people might have a personal piece that they want to, like a brooch or maybe a tie from their father, a leather belt from their grandfather that they've had as an heirloom oh, wow. and they want that on, on their yeah. hat. Yeah. So you can personalize a hat many different ways. You make me want a hat now. I like those sentimental things. <laughs> well, you have a beautiful face for a hat. Oh, thank you so much. I should get one. <laughs> but I know you're in Austria also traditionally, you know, the well, the, the traditional wear, the lederhosen, and the men also wear these uh, felt hats. And I believe, I don't know the, the whole uh, tradition of it, but but there's also these sentimental things that they put in or or meaningful things, you know, the feathers or the the emblems or something. So um, yeah, that's that's um, how amazing that we still have that that urge to have something like that, that sentimental part. Yes, I think that um, never goes away. And I think uh, often if you have a good quality hat, say, for instance, one that's made of a rabbit or a beaver felt, these are going to last a lot longer than, say, a wool felt hat, which may last a couple of years. These rabbit and beaver felt hats will last 10, 20, 30, 50, maybe 100 years. Really? And so a lot of people will pass them on to their children or to their grandchildren, and then they get to carry that sentiment around on their head as well yeah amazing but now tell me about the the materials that you use you were talking mm -hmm. about uh materials but what exactly do you use for the hats yeah so i use a rabbit felt and a beaver felt and beaver felt is considered the most uh, luxurious felt because of its qualities it's very soft very smooth very hard wearing, very water resistant, and they're considered like an heirloom hat. So they're the ones that are going to last 50, 100 years, maybe longer. Wow. Um, yeah. And rabbit felt's uh, close, but not quite as good, but definitely uh, much more hard wearing than, say, a wool felt hat. Okay. Do you yeah. make the felt yourself? I don't make the felts myself, no. So a lot of the felts are made uh, in Eastern Europe. Okay. Yeah, and um, at the moment, there's a little bit of a felt shortage within the hat making industry. Yeah. A lot of the felt suppliers are upgrading their equipment because they're using the same uh, machines that they used 60 to 100 years ago. Mm. And so it's time to for a little bit of an upgrade so that they can keep producing. Oh, okay. But now how do you... Um... So you make the hats and everything, but there's also this part of selling the hats and marketing the hats. So uh, in in obviously from Australia, do you do shipping? Do you do outside Australia? Uh, do you send outside Australia as well? Yes, absolutely. So in the beginning, I think most of my orders were from outside of Australia. Really? Um, yeah, mostly going to the United States. I have a very big hat culture there. And it's not uncommon for them to uh, spend large amounts of money on a hat. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Australia, we really only have um, a company called Akubra, which is our national hat company. And they pretty much supply the highest quality of hat um, in Australia. And then you have uh, a hardware store known as Bunnings, and they create like a, a, uh, like a palm leaf hat, which is like $5. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. So they're they're kind of like the two <laughs> the two main hats that are worn in Australia. So um, as myself and a few other hat makers in Australia start to bring a higher quality hat, um, the Australian market started to get a little bit bigger. So I would say now I have 60% of my customers are from overseas and about 40% within Australia. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, but now um, tell me, uh, so you say your partnership makes jewelry. Is there a yeah. way that you that you combine these things? Uh, yes, actually. Yeah. So yeah. now you mentioned it. Here's one we prepared earlier. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can see that. Oh, it's a little bit dark here. Let me see yeah. get some light on it. Yeah. There's a there's a turquoise pendant on this one. So I'm she so can right, make yeah. some hat jewels and, and uh, pendants for hats. Yeah. Which go really nice. I think that one will go nice with me with my fair skin. Yeah, maybe a lot of colored with a little bit of turquoise. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's my style, that one. But that's amazing. And that makes it also then a very much unique. So somebody can come in and um, ask for that type of jewelry on the hat. Absolutely. And I have another friend who does uh, pyrographic artwork. So he burns his artwork into the bottom of my hats, which this last hat I just showed you, I just got back from him today, and he's actually done a piece oh. on the bottom. Oh wow! So this this one has everything. It's got the the turquoise, and it's got this. Uh, I guess it's like a yin yang type thing with a humpback whale and a whale shark. Amazing! Yeah. Well, but you know, this is then this ha these hats tell stories. Then I mean, the, these hats have. It's not just a hat, it's it's all this extra things with it. And it's it's storytelling. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, I guess you can choose to put whatever you want on your hat to tell your story yeah. and to tell your journey. Uh, I think it's beautiful. I think it's wonderful to be able to create all these different things and to make pieces of art. And I also like the subtlety of of a of a very plain hat. And as it ages and gets worn in, it tells your true story, your own story. Just Absolutely. with the marks when you touch when you touch it over and over again, or mm. you know, maybe it flies off your head while you're on the back of a motorbike, mm. gets run over by a car or a train, or <laughs> yeah. wherever you take it on your adventures, you know. You might pick yeah. up a feather on the top of a mountain and pop it in the side or something like that. That's true. That's true. You know, and it's it's that's that's something that you talk about. You know, when you take the hat, when somebody, well, when you pass the hat on, you pass those stories on. It's like a book, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Lots of uh, hidden adventures in a hat. Exactly, and some you don't talk about. No, but the hat, <laughs> the hat's seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> Some should not be talked about. Yeah. But um, Jack, this is amazing. I'm so so happy that that you agreed to talk to me because I just absolutely love. I love your page as well. How you market it and it it's it's exactly what you what you're talking about now. You you show on your page as well. But tell me what what are the wishes for you. Where do you see this your business going? Where do I see it going? Hmm, that's a good question. 
So yeah, again, like I'm in a, I feel like I'm in a transitional phase. I feel like the last few years I've learned a lot about hat making and I've been able to connect with a lot of people and make a lot of different things. And yeah. And so now I really want to bring it back to basics, come back to the fundamentals and just create perfect, hard, hard wearing, but beautiful hats and then help people tell their own story and and have a hat that uh, I think that will last a lifetime really is what I want to do. And and to be able to tell your story with it, you take a hat and then in time it, it grows with you, it changes with you. Hmm. But I'm not sure. So, yeah, I think there's a lot yeah. more to do. I'm, I'm also doing a podcast, so I'm really trying to bring this hat-making community together as well. Amazing. And but, great that you do that because it's, I think it's um, like my impression was that, you know, people don't wear hats anymore. And if you say that more and more people are um, aware of it and, and more and more people are interested in it, it's it's wonderful. Because I think it's a, an art that that needs to be encouraged as well. Yeah, I think in this day and age, I think all handcrafts and all arts need to be encouraged. Yeah. I think uh, AI has its place and computers have their place, but I think humans definitely need to take up more of that space. And I think tradition, taking tradition into the future is a very important thing for the human race. Absolutely. And I think we have to start with children. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I've just uh, recently seen uh, also amazing project that's been done in South Africa with children, just art centers, uh, teaching them different things, different skills and different things and, and giving these children hope. And I think something like, like this, you know, um, it's, it's skills and if somebody makes something, I think you're always so proud if you can make something yourself. It gives you also that pride. And uh, this is also something that no technology can give you. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that we're all creators. And I think that we forget that in many ways as we become consumers. And mm -hmm. I think uh, when you make something with your hands, it, it changes everything. Absolutely, yeah. I think it really it really helps you to discover that uh, you have power in this world and just within your own world, and that um, you can take the intangible and, and make it real. And exactly. I think if you can build up on that, then you can uh, do amazing things. And you know, something as simple I say simple, not not that I think it's it's, but I mean something like a hat, for example. When we talked now about how much that can tell and and how much that can hold uh you think it's it's something that people should be more aware of you know that these things are the things that you pass on to the future or pass on or that you tell stories with and and these are the things that really matter yes i agree and i think when you make something with your hands or people um see something that's made with someone else's hands there's more there can be more of an appreciation for it oh, yes. mm. and i think appreciation for handmade things and good quality things and things that are going to last a lifetime rather than just machine made bought things that you can throw away 
it's a it's a big shift in the mind. And if you start to create quality and have quality around you, the quality of your life increases as well. And that's not just on the physical or the material, but that's in relationships and everything around you. Absolutely, yeah. It's a this chain reaction that it creates. Yeah, I uh, was looking at your uh, photos today, too. Oh, yeah, they're really beautiful, and I love the way that you capture uh, people. I, I see that you got a real strong fascination in people. Thank you. And, yes, uh, I do. I actually do, and um, and I like things to be as natural as possible. So I don't do much editing. I think people are beautiful the way they are. Yeah, I was wondering, I saw that you do portraiture and also uh, street photography. Oh, yeah. And I was one, wondering if you had a, a favourite or, or a preference between the two. Oh, street photography. Absolutely. It's my heart's project because I think it's because I capture, well, I, I try to capture love as I mm -hmm. see it. So couples walking hand in hand or uh, that fascinates me. But people togetherness and uh you cannot it's it's nothing there is staged and i've i've got thousands of pictures of couples holding hands for example or sitting on a bench or where i took the picture without them knowing and um i or sometimes think i've i've seen everything and i haven't it, it it's amazing how People just have different ways of expressing love um, when they're together. And you think you see it all, but you, you don't, you know, but just the way they hold hands, just the way they interact with each other. It, it's I, I haven't come across the same, you know, that I start thinking, okay, now, you know, I've seen it all. So this is why I love it, and I love it because it's not staged and it's not, you know, it's just that moment and you can never recreate it and you can never be there on that spot at that time finding those people. And, um, yeah, so I love that. I actually think I, I captured a first kiss. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, I, I saw this couple um, with a skateboard. The guy had a skateboard in his hand. And um, he was walking with the girl. They were holding hands. And, and I thought, okay, let me just see what they do. And so they went to sit on the skateboard. And I thought, wow, this is amazing, you know, because it's, it's, it was such a great setup. Mm -hmm. And I just stood behind them, so, well, on a distance and just watched them. And I was actually trying to take the picture, but they were moving a lot. And I was thinking, Oh, just be st still, you know, that I can get the picture. And the next minute he kissed her. And when I got home and I downloaded the pictures and I went through the sequel, I mean, there was about 15 or 16 pictures that I, that was in the sequel. I realized mm -hmm. it should, it, it could have been the first kiss because the way that she leaned in and he leaned in, it was this playfulness, you know, that, that she was, showing that she wants to be kissed and he was just you know waiting to and and then there was this kiss and I just I felt so touched by this whole sequel of of pictures that I could take to get to that one you know so mm -hmm. um 
So yeah, this is this, this is why I feel so passionate about it because that that would never happen again, and that I would never see that scene again. So yeah, mm, watching the the magic of life unfold. Exactly, and what is Ca- there? Capturing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in the end, it's and in even old people. You know, if you see older people walking hand in hand, you just think. You know, that's what it's all about in life, isn't it? It's that togetherness, that somebody that you have and and the way they walk and the way you see sometimes they help each other, then you think, yeah, you know, that's that's what it's all about. So you have a lot of love and a lot of hope for humanity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I live in the cloud. <laughs> not the iCloud I live in the real cloud yeah. <laughs> but uh, tell me Jack I just thought of something um, I've, I've spoken to a, um, a sculptor and mm-hmm. I've asked him if he looks at people differently because he, he's sculpting so he looks at noses and eyes and ears and he said yeah he actually does he goes into meetings and then it he catches himself looking at somebody's ear. Um, now I want to ask you, do you do the same with people? If you see people, can you see a hat on people? Mm, yeah, that's a good question. I I see hats. I think everyone's special and everyone's mm. uh, unique. But there's definitely certain characters out there that look like a certain hat would just fit quite really? right on them. Yeah. Yeah. And those ones, yeah, I have a, a strong uh, fascination with, oh. absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I think it, you can, capturing the story of a person's face and or someone who's who looks like they've seen a lot of life and have felt a lot of life and you can see it weathered into into their their facial expressions and into their demeanour. And I, I, I enjoy looking at that and then trying to, figure out what kind of really? hat would suit mm. yeah oh, that's yeah that's very interesting and I can I yeah I can I imagine that you um that's where the also the hat design comes in when you when you have that freedom when somebody comes to you and you mm-hmm. say okay create a hat for me then you use all these these uh feelings and and elements that you that you can create a hat with Absolutely, yeah. I think also um, it's like a hat can create a new persona for somebody. I think there's something special about a hat. And so sometimes like it's not just the person that you're creating for, but it's the person that they want to express that you're creating for. Mm -hmm. And so trying to create a hat that's going to help them maybe embody those qualities a little bit more is part of the game as well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's like putting on high heels. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that's like, but I imagine that. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> it can change your attitude. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's very interesting. No, you've, you've just, you've made me very um, interested in, in going to, uh, to, you know, to looking at hats. and, and um, When you come to Australia, you have to come by. I, I will uh, definitely, yeah. you know, I've never been to Australia, but but it's close enough to South Africa. In in I a lot of South Africans emigrate to Australia, so people sure say it's the same type of life there. So um, I'll definitely come. But you also, when you come to 
to Vienna. Let me know. Yeah. Genau. <laughs> yeah, genau. Yeah. <laughs> come, and, come and open a lovely shop here. That would be lovely. There's actually um, a beautiful hat maker, I think, in Vienna. Um, oh, really? There's a couple there. I think she's of an English background and he is of an Israeli background, but they have a little uh, atelier somewhere oh. in Vienna. Yeah. I'll have to I'll have to look that up. I'll I'll send you the link. Yeah. Yes, I please, think, uh, please. Yeah. Yeah. They're a lovely couple okay. and make beautiful hats. Okay. Now please send me the link. I would love that. Yeah. But Jack, it was great talking to you. It was a pleasure to be invited and lovely to speak to you, Petra. Yeah. Thank you for and, having uh, me. And hope to hope to meet in person one day. Absolutely, that would be lovely. Yeah. Okay, have a lovely, um, where are we now, evening. Thank you very much. Enjoy yeah, your day. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.